The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm speaking to you today from the pulpit of the Briam Baptist Church, and I am here by myself except for Steve Miller and Donna. Uh, Steve is pushing the buttons to stop and start this recording. We are alone in the church, and there is about 50 feet of separation between us, so we are satisfying the government's mandate for social distancing. But we're recording this sermon for the church membership that are unable to assemble as the body of Christ in this place. But you are at your homes on on this Sunday morning and you've gathered your families to hear from the word of God. And I've chosen as my subject today climate change. Everyone is concerned about climate change. Everyone is worried about global warming and the effects that it will have on the polar ice caps and the loss of glaciers and rising ocean levels that eventually uh, flood coastal cities, displacing millions of people. Climate change is on the minds of politicians as various proposals are made towards green initiatives that are intended to save the planet. But those issues have been pushed to the back burner for a while as the nation and the world are dealing with the rapid transmission of the coronavirus. Now, whether we speak of climate change or coronavirus, we must understand that we're not enslaved to Mother Earth. It's interesting that scientists and ecologists are so concerned about Mother Earth, which is inanimate and is not a mother. But they shut their ears when we speak of Father God, our Father God, who is alive and is our creator. And I can promise you that you will never answer to Mother Earth, but you will answer to Father God. There are many scriptures that I could choose for this message, and I can show you how that God controls the earth. God controls the climate. He spins the earth on its axis. He rules in the wind. He rules in fire and in earthquakes, in the heat of deserts, in the bleak, frigid temperatures of Antarctica. God is there. The world is his and the fullness thereof. But I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17 to see the God who controls the weather. And by extension, I want you to take this message and apply it to the COVID-19 outbreak. Who is it that orders everything that comes to pass? And the answer is God. And if you wonder why is there trouble on every front, hopefully this message will help you understand. In 1 Kings 17, verse number 1, And Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah said, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. This is the climate change. And using his prophet to deliver the message, God is the one who orders this climate change. Now, it's amazing what you can learn if you just take a a few minutes to read God's word. There is nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said. Everything that we see today has been through, uh, gone through by other people, experienced by people before. 
Perhaps no one has seen the coronavirus before, but there have been pandemics before. No one knows how or when this will end. But I haven't heard anyone seriously predict that 200 million people will die as they did in the Black Plague in the 14th century. What happens today is common to humanity. And so we can expect that we would find information in God's word that would teach us the cause and tell us what we are to do. Well, there is one God and there are two men that are mentioned in this text. There are two men. There's only one of them that served the one true living God. Reading on in First Kings, you'll learn that that the other man worshipped a false god. And therein lies the trouble and the reason that God said there will be climate change. Because Israel had forsaken the one true living God and they served a false God. God said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I will bring climate change that will show you that I am the one true God. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to have special insight from God. I can only tell you the way that God worked in the past and the examples that he left in his word for us to consider. And so we can't come away from these scriptures and the examples in the word and not conclude that God's hand is in the catastrophes that grip our nation and this world. How God will use these things, I don't know. But I do know that at times God uses such things to call people to repentance. He uses them to strip us of our vain hope in ourselves and bring us to our knees and teach us to rely only on him. Now, let me talk to you for a few minutes about these two men in First Kings 17. The first is God's man. This is Elijah, the prophet who received word from God that he was to deliver a message. Elijah was a great prophet. In fact, he is one of the most significant prophets in the history of Israel. In the New Testament, people were confused about Jesus. And when he asked them, well, who do you think that I am? Some of them said, well, you are Elijah. They said, you're Elijah who's come back to life. In the end of the Old Testament, the last words of Malachi the prophet, he wrote God's words and said, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Elijah was a significant prophet and his name was appropriate for, for this time in his ministry. His name is a combination of the generic name for God. It combines L for Elohim and Jah for Jehovah. And that combination makes Elijah's name mean Jehovah is God. And how appropriate that this message of climate change came from a prophet whose name means Jehovah is God. Now, you see, in Elijah's time, the great conflict was the identity of the true God. Was Jehovah the true God or was Baal the true God? In the background of this climate change issue is the conflict of deciding who is the true God and who will Israel serve. It was a conflict for them. And I believe it's also a conflict that grips America today. Increasingly, our people and our leaders have decided that humanism is God. We've decided that our feelings are God. We've even decided that we are God. We answer only to our godless selves. And at some point, I think that we could expect that God would raise his New Testament preachers to tell his people that climate change is coming. And I hope you understand that I use this as a metaphor for judgment, that judgment is coming. 
a judgment in which the one true living God will show who is the true God. Now, we wouldn't expect that Israel would be confused about the one true God. Their history was filled with acts of divine providence, but they forgot and they abandoned the worship of Jehovah to serve other gods. And we're reminded of how easily we forget that our the way that our country was founded, that there was no one who argued about who was the true God. Our founders might not all have been saved men, but there wasn't an argument about what God we would serve. We would serve only the God of the Bible. And that was true throughout two centuries of our existence. Now we've forgotten the source of our prosperity. Well, there is much that I could tell you about the significance of Elijah. Perhaps some other time we'll talk more about him. But just to give you a little taste of it, God honored Elijah by preserving him from death. There are only two people in the history of the world that left this world without dying. And one of them was Elijah. The Jews honor Elijah. To this day, when Orthodox Jews celebrate Passover, they leave a door open so that Elijah may enter if he suddenly comes. And this probably doesn't make much difference to you, but the Roman Catholic Church honors Elijah. I remember when we visited Israel, we were at the top of Mount Carmel where Elijah had the contest with the prophets of Baal. And on that mountain, there is a Catholic church. A priest was welcoming visitors. He was a barefoot Carmelite monk. The Roman Catholics believed that Elijah was the founder of the Carmelite order. Well, that part is nonsense, but these are examples to show how that Elijah is honored as one of God's greatest prophets. So God had a great man in Elijah. He was a faithful man. He wouldn't back down. He preached against sin. He called Israel to repent and to return to the one true living God. Now, on the other hand, there is another man in the story. The climate change message that was sent from God was intended for Ahab, who was the king of Israel. Ahab was the king during the last seven years of Elijah's ministry, and he was the king who ruled in a terrible time of wickedness in Israel. Ahab was one in a succession of bad kings who ruled Israel since the division of the kingdom after the death of Solomon. Solomon's kingdom and in the end of his kingdom and through that kingdom, there were the seeds of sin that were sown. There were seeds of immorality and seeds of adultery and seeds of idolatry. And those things grew until it led to the division of the Jewish nation into two kingdoms. Northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was Judah. Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom and the northern kingdom never in all of its history had a godly king. There were 19 kings in their history. All of them were evil. Elijah was on the scene during Ahab's reign, who was the seventh king. I don't have time to give an account of all 19 kings, but I can give you a sampling. The first king of the divided nation was Jeroboam. Jeroboam led Israel away from God by corrupting their religion. You see, he he knew that religion was what held the Jewish people together. And so he didn't want people in his kingdom going down to the southern kingdom, to Judah, to worship at the temple in Jerusalem because he was afraid that they would reunite with the Jews in the south. 
And so instead, he gave them their own places of worship. He made two golden calves and he placed one at the southern border between Israel and Judah and then one up in the north at Dan. And so people could come and worship at those altars that Jeroboam built. And he made men of the lowest order, the priests who served at these altars. In other words, there was a corrupted religion. There was a corrupted priesthood. And it's hard to escape those parallels with religion in our country. Never have we seen such a scandalous, corrupted clergy and churches as we have today. The Roman Catholic Church has paid millions of dollars to settle sexual abuse cases. Meanwhile, we're just discovering the widespread abuse that's happened in Southern Baptist churches. And then if you care to investigate this further, you'll find that many fundamental Baptist ministries are guilty of cover ups and of promoting and passing around men that are unfit for ministry because of their adulteries and pedophilic practices. There is a climate change in America. Our churches and our pulpits are not what they used to be. And without holiness and without proper accountability to the Lord God, shouldn't we expect that God would chastise and call his people to repentance? Now, again, I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't know specifically what God is doing, but I can well imagine that God would shut down churches to have a step back and to examine ourselves and evaluate why can't we meet in our houses of worship on this Sunday morning? There's corruption in the clergy, and that very quickly shows up in the membership of churches. There is no moral guidance in our churches. And if there's none there, how do we expect we would have it in our government? Both political parties are moral failures. What spineless politician deserves to be elected who would say, oh, I'm personally against abortion. But I think it should be the right of a woman and her doctor to murder her baby. Do you want that person who can be blown around by the winds of any atrocity to be your president? And then on the other side, evangelical leaders eat at the slop trough of a man who said, I don't need to repent. We've had morally failed presidents in the past, but there were none, none that were fallen all over by preachers and Christians who ignored their gross immorality. There's climate change in our country. There's wicked moral failure of every kind and the tides of evil are rising until finally this will swallow our churches until America is just a foot a footnote in history. Well, Elijah was a man who stood in the face of the king and he pointed his finger. King said to Elijah, you're the one who troubles Israel. But Elijah, God's preacher, said, no, it's not me. It's you and God will judge you. Well, there were five more kings that followed Jeroboam before we get to Ahab. Each one of them was wicked, just like the one before. The sixth man to rule Israel was Ahab's father. His name was Amri. He ruled for 12 years. And this is what the Bible says about him. First Kings 16, 25. But Amri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all that were before him. See how evil progresses, how it picks up steam. Amri was worse than all who were before him. And this is the man who raised Ahab. And might I remind you, Christian fathers, that you are an influence on your children What does your life, what does your life say to them? How you treat your church, what does it say to them? 
Scriptures say that Omri was worse than all before him. Now, guess what? It does get worse because Ahab ascended to the throne and he claimed the new title of the most wicked. First Kings 1633. And Ahab made a grove. A grove is a place to worship idols. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. What a title for a man to hold. What a depraved description. Ahab did more to provoke God to anger than all the kings before him. This is the man that Elijah had to reason with. And so it was a challenge to straighten out the mess that Ahab made. And I can't help but to mention this, that Ahab was a married man. And did you know that every evil that Ahab did was stirred up by his wife? She was the neck that turned the head. Her name was Jezebel, a name that lives in infamy. First Kings 21, 25, it says, but there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal. He was the king of the Sidonians. Elijah's name means Jehovah is God. Ethbaal means Baal is with him. Ethbaal was the priest of the goddess Ashtoreth. He conspired against the king of Tyre and killed him and reigned over Tyre for 32 years. And his kingdom was the most wicked in power at the time. Jezebel learned her cutthroat tactics from her father and she became a persecutor of God's people. She's an example of upsetting the created order. Well, there's so many lessons that we can learn from this story. I don't have time to talk about them all. But just remember that Jezebel headed up a false religion. And remarkably, the New Testament says that a woman who takes authority in the church is a Jezebel. A woman pastor in authority is the head of false religion. And when you upset the created order, everything is degraded. The truth of the gospel is quickly diminished in the church. I mean, see if you can find the gospel in a church that allows women to preach. Truths fall like dominoes. When women are ordained to ministry, it flows into the acceptance of gays in the church. It ends in the ordination of gays and lesbians to the ministry. And are we so perplexed by climate change and coronavirus that we wonder, why doesn't God allow churches to meet? Now, let me go on to the central issue regarding the conflict between Elijah and Ahab. This is not a conflict about high taxes. This is not about social programs and the welfare state. It wasn't even about the physical effects of the change in the weather. The issue is religion. Religion was corrupt. And this corruption occurred when Baal worship replaced and suppressed the worship of Jehovah God. And I want you to pay close attention to see if Baal worship is is in fact very much like religion in America today. Baal was a Canaanite god. They believe that he controlled the rain. He controlled fertility. And this helps you to understand why God chose to stop the rain, which made this challenge a challenge over who does in fact control the climate. Over several centuries of idolatry, There were different Baals, but the one in this narrative seemed to be considered the supreme male god. Ashtoreth, that the Romans called Venus, was the supreme female deity and was very closely associated with the worship of Baal. 
They all worship was morally rotten. It was vile and sensual. It was a cruel religion that made immoral sexual acts a religious exercise. Fertility rights were prominent. There were both male and female prostitutes that were provided chambers in the temples of Baal. You see, human fertility was tied to the fertility of the land. And so, in a sense, you could say they also worshipped Mother Earth. As Baal worship grew, it became exceedingly intolerant to the worshippers of Jehovah. And you can see that in the wicked kings that ruled Israel because they were always trying to destroy the worshipers of Jehovah. It was so bad that the true prophets of God had to be hidden away in caves. Now, have you noticed how those who complain about intolerance are now the most intolerant as the sexual perversion of LBGTQ grew? They kept saying America must be tolerant. America must fly rainbow flags. America must allow gays and lesbians to have freedom to marry and freedom in all areas of society. And America listened and Americans were tolerant and Americans gave them their rights. But now what do we have? If anyone disagrees with their morality, then we're guilty of hate speech. Hate speech is a crime. And if you're guilty of hate speech, you'll lose your job. You can go to jail There's not even a chance of being hired if you disagree with them. In America, where freedom of speech is a basic right, it's a part of the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. A teacher in school, a government employee, an office employee, anybody who deals with the public must use gender preferred pronouns or be denounced and thrown out. Where is tolerance? Who has free speech except the intolerant? Whenever evil controls, there's no tolerance. America is experiencing climate change. Those who wanted tolerance of their lifestyles are intolerant of any who disagree with their agenda. And as it gains its foothold, America's society is flipped around and the new climate is oppressive. Well, we've looked at God's prophet and we've discussed the power in Israel. That is the wicked authority that pushed Israel into adultery and idolatry and into rejection of Jehovah God. But now let me talk to you about their prediction. There's a godly prophet and there is a wicked power. Now, lastly, there is a certain prophecy. Our text says, and Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. There's the prophecy. There's a certain prediction that spells the outcome of climate change in Israel. Now, as you might well imagine, the way that God deals with this wickedness is with judgment. God never lets evil go unchecked. He never lets it have free reign. He will bring it to its end. Climate change was coming and this change would bring about God's judgment on Israel. Elijah said it won't rain. There won't be any dew or rain these years. And we notice here that it doesn't say how many years. We know it's more than one because it says years. So to find out how long it lasted, we need to go to the New Testament. James wrote in James 5:17. 
Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Three years and six months. What happens when you have a drought of three and a half years? Now, Israel was an agrarian society. The area around Mount Carmel is especially fertile. And with no rain, crops fail. With no rain, there's no grass to feed the livestock. And if you want to just look over into chapter 18 and verse number 5, the drought had started. It had been a long time since it rained. And in the fifth verse, it says, And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all fountains of water, and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive that we lose not all the beast. Rain makes a difference in crops, in livestock, in beasts of burdens. And then what happens? In the second verse of that 18th chapter, Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. There was famine. People were starving. Climate change ruined the economy, killed the crops, and people were starving. Now, just grab hold of that parallel for a minute. America is going through climate change. There is moral and religious climate change. I don't know how it will end. We're not starving. And if we're not starving, there is the fear of starving. Now we have a disease that's torn the economy apart. And though we're not starving yet, people act as if we will. There's hoarding in the stores across this country Many shelves are empty. Our daughter in Kentucky who feeds her little army said that she went to the grocery and there was no meat. That all she could get was hot dogs and she doesn't feed her family hot dogs. But when you got to eat, you've got to eat. Later in Second Kings, there's another famine in Samaria. They were selling dove's manure for food. It cost five pieces of silver to buy a small portion of dove's manure to eat. Think about that. Think about where sin leads you. Think about where sin has taken this country. How quickly did this happen? Sometimes God's judgment is swift. It's taken only two months to cripple the world. God tolerates sin for a while, but he won't let it go on. Is this God's judgment on us? Is, is our climate change the reason that this nation suffers? Oh, I know that some would loathe the suggestion that this disease is God's judgment on us. I'm not saying it is. In one sense, I would say it's too soon for us to tell. But I'll also say there is some judgment in it because everything that happens is according to God's sovereign plan. And you can certainly see this in Elijah's prophecy. He said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, the Lord God, that's the same as saying that God is sovereign, that God is supreme ruler, that God is the one who controls this. Now, of course, there is some judgment in this virus because it can't happen without God. I don't know the extent. But as I said earlier, I do know about God's historical dealings with his people, that these things can happen to encourage repentance. God designs chastisement to be severe enough that people would rather change than to endure the chastisement. I know what climate change will do for Christians. I know that it brings us closer together. 
I know it causes us to humble ourselves before God. We pray for God's help. I know it makes us realize that even in our affluence, we must depend on God. We can't get too far out in front of God and think that we do anything by our power. And so God may snuff out all of our power until we have nothing left, until we have no choice but to come to him to find peace and hope in our time of trouble. Now, when God brings climate change, two more things happen. The first is that Baal is exposed. Baal can't help because Baal has no power. Baal was the God of crops. He was the God of fertility. He was the God of rain. (laughs) But there is no food and the land is infertile and there is no rain. America is full of Baal worshipers and Mother Earth worshipers and self-idolizers that trust in their ingenuity. And we trust in our economy. We trust in all of our resources. But then a virus happens and none of those things has power over it. And so then our self-sufficiency is exposed. Our weaknesses are exposed. Our ability to control anything is exposed. And so we can't turn to any of our little gods. Baal is exposed. And secondly, when climate change comes, Jehovah is exalted. When Baal is crushed, Jehovah is exalted. Now, the world won't see that unless God opens their eyes. They're blinded by their sins. And so they will continue to propose. They will continue to seek humanistic explanations and solutions. God's purposes are for God's people. God sought to win Israel back. He was calling them to repentance. And there would be repentance for a while until the next time they turned away. But I think that what's happening in our churches and could be happening at this very moment, that Christians are thinking. There are some that have walked away from the church. Some who say, well, we don't really need the church. There are some who thought that they would be okay without God. But then God said, it's not going to rain. There's a climate change and that causes them to think. And I believe that God uses these things to bring revival in the hearts of his people. And then let me tell you what happens when God heals our land. He does it not for the sake of scientists and not because of doctors or health care workers or first responders or anyone who doesn't trust in him. He heals the land for his people. And the ones who were intolerant of us get benefited through this because they get caught up into the overflow of blessings that God sheds and gives out to his people. Oh, it'd be so wonderful for if they realize how, how truly valuable that we are for their safety and the good operation of this world. They don't live or breathe because of any good in them. This world continues because of us. We're not destroyed because God is long suffering. He's waiting for his chosen people to come to repentance and faith. And then when the last one comes, the world will see a climate change more dreadful than they could possibly predict. Two men, Elijah and Ahab. Elijah was God's man. Ahab was Baal's man. And these men came to two very different ends in life. Now, I said that Elijah is only one of two that got out of this world without dying. Well, if you want to look into 2 Kings chapter 2, there's another great prophet who was a friend of Elijah. This was Elisha. And Elisha 
followed Elijah and he was overwhelmed with desire to be just like him. And Elisha knew the time was coming when God would take Elijah away. So every step that Elijah took, Elisha was right on his heels. And in verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 2, And it came to pass, as they still went on, Elisha and Elijah, as they went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and poured it, parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You look at that. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Chariot of fire, horses of fire lifted him up, and at once he was gone. And he was gone to be in the presence of the Lord God of Israel. What a climate change that was out of this dreadful, sinful world into the perfect rest of God, his Savior. What about Ahab? You know, the prediction of rain was not the only one that Elijah made. Ahab was wicked. Ahab permitted the, the death of a righteous man so that he could steal his land. And Ahab would pay dearly for that sin. It didn't happen suddenly. Elijah told him that it would happen, but it didn't happen immediately. Prophecy of his death is in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse number 17. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, that hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Three years later, Ahab went into battle. It appeared that Ahab was safe. He would just watch from a distance. All would be well. The Bible says there was an archer who drew his bow, launched his arrow. He didn't even aim. He, he, he sent the arrow, probably didn't know where it would hit or if it would hit anything. But by divine guidance, that arrow found its way to the sternum of Ahab. Ahab stood in his chariot. And by the end of the day, he bled out. At the end of the day, he was dead. Scripture says... First Kings twenty two thirty seven. So the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria and the dogs licked up his blood and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spake Two men and two ends. One died in godless Samaria. The other was taken up alive to be with Jehovah God in heaven. Well, let me say as I close, there are two ends for two different types of people in this climate change. Well, there are many who will escape the death of the virus. Most will. They'll go on living and, th and they'll go back to what they did before. They'll never acknowledge the, the one true living God. And so it may take a while. They won't die immediately. But someday they will die and they'll meet the Lord God in judgment. Their souls are eternally lost. While they live, they, they rejected the one true God. They lived for self. They congratulated themselves and said, look what we did. Look what we were able to accomplish. Look what, look what our, our wisdom did for us. We beat the virus. All is well. 
Look at our resilience. We beat this thing. No, the dogs will lick their blood. They'll die as dogs die with no hope. Truly, even they die worse than dogs and with worse hope because they die eternal death in the fires of hell. But it doesn't happen to be that way. If they would only repent of their sins and trust Christ, their souls would be saved. And then when they die, they'll be like the other type of people. These are the redeemed. And they'll be carried by angels into the presence of their Savior. Our country is amid a climate change. The worst isn't the weather. The worst is the wholesale change to the immorality and idolatry of Baal. And so we've gone from one nation under God to one nation under Baal. And I'm afraid that COVID-19 is only the beginning of our problems. Scripture says it's time that repentance begins first in the house of God. So God calls us as his people to repent, to come back to him, to give up our sinful practices and tell the world who is the true God of heaven and earth. It must start with us before we can reach a world enslaved in sin. Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for this message from your word. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to your people. There are many that are worried about things. Great discomfort, not only among the people of the world, but your people feel that as well. We pray, Lord, for those who wonder what's going to happen next. What about jobs? What about the economy? What about our bank accounts? How are we going to pay our bills? And many, many people are distressed by this. But what we need to look at is the one true living God, the one who controls all things. Nothing happens here that our God doesn't know. We know, Lord, that you are in charge. You'll take care of your people. But you also tell us, Lord, that we need to come back. We need to check our lives. We need to examine ourselves to see if we are true believers in you. Is there evidence that that we know you? And I pray, Lord, that you would... If it's necessary, strike fear into hearts until we come to the place we realize we are your people. We need to come back and do what we're supposed to do or we need to be saved. So, Lord, we thank you. Uh, We know that you are in control. Bless all of our people that are listening today and couldn't be in church today. We pray that you'd keep everyone safe, keep everyone healthy. Help us to honor you every day in what we do. And may we be an example to those that. We might encounter who don't understand what's going on and looking for hope and looking for for reasons for hope. Lord, help us to be the people that give it to them. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.